This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. everyone and welcome back to Basket Case Clubs. My name is Michael Connolly and I shall be your host on this little journey as we continue our marketing expedition for how clubs should be improving their marketing. Joining me as usual is my brother and partner in Basket Casey Goodness, Steve Connolly. G'day Steve. Woo! Hello. Gosh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say something about Basket Casey Goodness last time? <laughs> <laughs> you go yeah. to the salad bar and they say, would you like a dash of Basket Casey Goodness on the side? <laughs> They should say that. It's exactly what they should say. I think most Start of the movement. customers would say, ew. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we've been going down this journey of marketing and looking at how clubs typically don't do as good a job with marketing as they could. And we started off the beaten track and talking about non-core business of canteens and looking at how the canteen is, a. I think it's a, it's a, a little bit low-hanging fruit because you can see it as a standalone business unit that is nice and separate from everything else that you do. But if you're using your canteen income or your canteen profit or even your canteen gross profit to subsidize your operational costs for, for whatever sport it is that you're playing, it's not a sustainable business model because while people are prepared to put in money to make the investment for them and their kids to participate in physical activity and sport and competition and all of the good things that it brings, if they hit the skids, while they may still paying that money, they may choose not to spend as much discretionary income on things like canteen, bar, merchandise, even raffle tickets. So it's really important to understand that there are different business units. Then we moved from there into talking about the core business and understanding that when you are creating marketing messages to attract new members in particular, that what you offer as a particular club or a particular sport is not for everyone. So we don't have to try and target all 250,000 people that live in our LGA. What we are better off doing is working out how many people we can accommodate and going after them because we might only be able to accommodate another 100 all up. So instead of just putting the feelers out and, and taking a shoot from the hip type approach and just posting any, cra any old crap on social media, let's say, who do we want? And where are they already hanging out? Remember the, the old proverb, what's the best direction to ride a horse? the direction it's already going. So if you can identify who your people are, the, the people like us that already buy our shit, let's try and sell, let's try and find them and get more of them involved because it's going to be a much easier and quicker match to make to begin with. And you'll probably be attracting the right people as well. Yeah, yeah. So it continues the culture and the value set and all of that stuff, yeah. So then today we're going to finish up, well, maybe finish off. I say that now, but we might come up with some other ideas and then we say, oh, let's reopen that marketing thing. <laughs> Today, we're going to take a slightly different tangent again and look at sponsorship. Now, some of you might be going, huh? Sponsorship's not marketing, but that could really be part of the problem in the way that clubs typically, typically attack sponsorship. So to give you a quick overview, the way that I see sponsorship done is, <laughs> is generally wrong because <laughs> it's not sponsorship. They call it sponsorship. Most clubs call it sponsorship, but really it's seeking benevolence and donations. Mm. Sponsorship is a business arrangement. It's agreement, an agreement between a club and some business that wants to sell some of whatever it is that they're selling, their products or their services. That's what sponsorship is. So if you look at sponsorship as a separate business unit, you can see that it's we're not selling sport here. We're selling advertising. So that's really our role here is to do marketing 
for our sponsors. That's why it links really nicely with marketing because everything we've, we've talked about now has been about trying to sell our stuff, whether it's selling canteen and you can then apply that across all of the other non-sport business units or our sport itself. We're marketing to get new customers or sell more to our existing customers. That's exactly the same thing that we're trying to do with sponsorship, only instead of marketing our own wares, we're marketing their wares. I think so a what- really easy way to quickly just jolt people into the mindset you know, that, that we certainly apply is that a lot of organizations in grouping positions, you know, uh, portfolios together, they'll often put sponsorship with fundraising or grants, mm. sometimes with both. both. So you'll have a subcommittee that is, you know, fundraising and sponsorship or grants and sponsorship or a position that takes care of those particular portfolios. And what we say is that that's thinking about sponsorship in completely the wrong way. You're thinking about it as a way for your organization to make money. Sure, it is. But first and foremost, it should be a way for your organization to market your sponsors or do marketing on their behalf because you've got access to a whole market you know, that, that they certainly want access to as well in your membership. So grouping, for instance, you know, a subcommittee uh, together or a group of people together to take care of marketing and sponsorship or a, a role that takes care of that, in our opinion, makes a lot more sense because then yeah. you've got the right people thinking about marketing for your club and you've got the right people thinking about marketing for your sponsors. So to take that one step further, if you link marketing and grant, sorry, sponsorship and grants rather than sponsorship and marketing, when I write a grant application, it's perfectly acceptable for me to tell you how good I am to create a case that says, if you as a funding agency invest money in our club, that's a low risk. So mm. that that's a good thing. So it's, it's really important that we put our weights up and piss in our own pocket as much as we can. Then it's critical that we tell you what we're going to do with the money that we're going to spend that money on a specific project because that's actually what's being funded. With grant funding, it's not just funding that goes to an organization for general revenue and general Mm. expenditure. It's funding that goes to that club for a specific purpose of running that project. So, you know, when we talk about grants, we say get the the project right first and it should ideally be a balance sheet item. It's money in on the, which is an asset, but but then there's a liability. We have to go and deliver that project. Mm. That makes perfect sense. All too often when I see sponsorship proposals or when I have seen sponsorship proposals from clubs, they take that approach. So they spend 50 pages saying, we're so good, we're so good, we're so good. And here's what we're going to do if you give us money. But with them, baby, with them, what's in it for me? Why would I give you money if it's not going to help me sell my shit? I I actually don't care about you. But yeah, so look, that, that so that's taking a benevolent approach and I'm a little bit tongue in cheek and I realize that because for a short term investment, like if it's a one off, we've got, we're hosting the state titles in our little town for once and we'd like a few hundred bucks and then we'll say your name over the PA a few times. You're not really going to get anything out of that, but it's a demonstration of you your, of, as a business. It's a demonstration of our business's goodwill and uh, social awareness that, that we're trying to build social capital in our community and we're contributing to that. So it's, it's really just a little bit of brand building. We don't really expect to make any money out of selling stuff for that. And still in the majority of cases, it's probably going to be people who are part of your organization that also <laughs> own that business. <laughs> so it's yeah. already an easy win. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's just benevolent. Somebody's putting in the money because they've, they've, it gives them a warm and fuzzy feeling. Again, yeah. they're not going to sell anything from it. And it's, for, for the short time, it typically works. So in a one-off type where you don't need to, one-off type of range where you don't really need to be building a long-term relationship, 
that, that that's okay. But see it for what it is. See it like you might call it sponsorship, but recognize that it ain't. That's really a donation and it's really more benevolence than sponsorship. Where the approach that we're going to talk about today differs is that you need to see sponsorship as a completely standalone section. So that's why, as you say, Steve, grouping it together with those other portfolios that are about money and what we're going to do with the money is beginning off on the wrong foot. The right way to think about sponsorship is we are trying to sell your stuff and you are paying us a premium for doing that. So we are a vehicle for you to get more sales. As I said, whether those sales and more sales from existing customers or new customers and then building on them, that's what we're selling. So a sponsorship proposal should have very little to do with what we're going to do with the money because it doesn't matter. That's yeah. not what it's about. It should also be very little about us. It should all be about what you are going to benefit from. So what are the benefits that the business, the sponsoring business is going to achieve? Not what's good for us or what's the benefit for us. And that's the mark that's so often missed, isn't it? And I wonder if it's partly because we've got people who are you know, also writing grant applications, then writing sponsorship proposals. So they're all about what we're going to do with the money and how, you know, even how we're going to acknowledge the money that you give us. Hold on, let's just focus on how you're going to do the job of marketing on our behalf, because that's, you, you should assume that that's what sponsors want. As you say, they don't yeah. care how you use the money. They, they're assuming that you're going to use the money for good because they obviously believe in what you believe in. Because they're having but, a conversation with you to begin with. Yes, but mm. don't, yeah, don't, that, that's really common. You know, when I see sponsorship proposals or, you know, sponsorship programs that have been generated by an organization and then presented to prospective sponsors. It's, it's all too often all about the organization and, and how good they are and what good they do with sponsorship money. Focus on the sponsor. Yep. As you say, with them. Yep. 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 With it, I'm, what's in it for them? <laughs> with it, what's in it for the sponsor? With it. Hey, Jess, there's a good title for this episode. With it. <laughs> Subscribers look there to with it. WTF. <laughs> oh, so Steve, let's get back in our little time machine. I want to take you back in time again. Do we make a noise when we go back in time? What noise does what the, noise does a DeLorean make? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not the noise of the noise that the DeLorean made, particularly the first Back to the Future movie, was not the noise a real DeLorean makes. The noise of the engine of a real DeLorean today in 2020 is typically it typically sounds something like this. Yes, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> but what probably noise hasn't for a long time? Make? It probably made little beep, 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 beep noises. Yeah. Anyway, so I want to take you back in time. And I was running a workshop. It was out in Ipswich, and we we're in the Civic Centre. And because we were talking about money, believe it or not, we had shit tons of people there. We had a, a really, really full room. It was it was just awesome. So a big audience to talk about sponsorship too. And it was look, it was really entertaining because most of the people are sitting there going, huh. I never thought of it like that. We've always bundled it the wrong way. And they, and they really came along and it was just, it was just great. So then I, you know, uh, can you believe it, Steve? I got on my high horse. That's how I like you. <laughs> what I'd say, it's just a moment ago. You said, you know, it was really entertaining. I thought, is, are you talking about your own presentation? Or are you talking about the reaction of the audience? The reaction of the audience. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I wasn't an audience member, so I can't comment on mine. I had fun. I had fun watching their faces. Anyway, so I'm going on about exactly what we've just talked about, how it's really important that you build a relationship with a sponsor and then sell their stuff. And I could see a lady in the front row getting more and more uncomfortable as the discussion went on. It was <laughs> this is why it was fun and entertaining because I could see, and I knew exactly why she was squirming. And look, I'll do it for you because you can see me. She's like crossing her legs one way and then shaking her head and tutting and then crossing her legs the other way. And she was getting really agitated and she could take it no longer. And by the time she thrust her hand in the air, the hand went up really, really fast and said, <laughs> Michael, just, I just need to stop you there. And I'm not going to tell you where she was from, Steve, because you do a lot of work with golf and you might actually know who this person was. <laughs> It was a long, long, it was a long, long time ago. And I'm not saying anything more than that. Okay. But she said, uh, now I can see your face and I can see for our listeners, I can see an element of recognition in Steve's face. She <laughs> thrust her hand up and said, Michael, I really need to stop you there. So what you're saying, just, it's just, it's just rankling with me. And now I don't remember if she used the word rankling, but I'll take some poetic license. Hey, we've jumped in our DeLorean, so I can do what I like. It's it's just rankling with me. Hey, you're what you what it sounds like you're suggesting is that we are not for profit community organization that is run by volunteers. You're saying that we, a non-profit volunteer run organization, should give commercial favor to just one provider. So just one person who sells something, recognizing that this is a competitive market and that business complete, competes with lots of other businesses. I just don't think it's right that we should give one business commercial priority over all of the others. What was wonderful about what happened next is that I didn't have to say anything. A bloke up the back of the room, I can't remember what club he was from, but he, oh, he was one of those faces that was just getting it. And he goes, <laughs> possibly a little impolitely, and maybe because he was sitting behind her and definitely out of reach. <laughs> You're damn right. That's what he's saying. Of course, you're giving commercial favor to, to, to them over all of the others. That's what they're paying for. <laughs> we oh. got a bit of a round of applause. Great. I did feel, I did feel sorry for the lady from the golf yeah. club. She politely sat down and went, Ah, oh. now she didn't. She still didn't agree. She was still uncomfortable, and I don't think we saw her again at the follow-up workshops. But everyone else got it. Now that's yeah. the most important thing. If you're succeeding, getting lots and lots of, and let's call them for what they are, donations from businesses that are getting that are doing no, you're doing no monitoring on the return on their investment, and they're doing no monitoring on the return on the investment, and they're happy just to cleanse their social conscience by flicking a few bucks your way every year great please maintain those and but maintain those relationships to continue the benevolence but now in 2022 we've probably got i know definitely we've got a lot of clubs who are struggling to get back to their pre-covid sponsorship levels and it's because all of the sponsors sponsors in air bunny mm. rabbit ears weren't really sponsors they were just giving money to feel good or to, to bolster the coffers of of their sports club then that money ran out and they had to reallocate that money. So they stopped. And that was a really easy place to stop investing because there was no ROI, no return on the investment that they were making. If clubs had considered it differently, exactly as we're talking about it now from the start, however, 
then the businesses that were actually making money on the return on the advertising spend that they were making through their sponsorship arrangements with their series of clubs, do you think that they would have wound that back if that's what was still driving them? As soon as sport got back, sport got back before a lot of other things, remember? Mm -hmm. So their touch points with their potential market came back before they were able to go and do commercial events, for instance. Trade shows didn't happen. So they, so there are things that meant that if you had uh, had this approach from the beginning, you would have been far better off. So I, I don't know, Steve, am, am I barking up the wrong tree? I know that we've talked about this in detail. We, we might not have gone into it in this level of detail probably since I was back at the Civic Centre in Ipswich. Yeah. No, I think that the point that you just made about the return to activities or trade from covid is a really good way to to highlight the importance of doing sponsorship right and, and the fact that you are as an organization actually of or can be of great benefit to businesses in doing their marketing on their behalf yep. and and yes you know that i wonder if that lady who was at the workshop works in government or local government because you know it's it's exactly the sort of mindset that we see applied is you know that real um backside covering procurement oh we can't be seen to be giving oh, favor right. to any particular provider yeah. well hold on yeah like that that's, like that's, that's, said, that's exactly what they're paying for yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing they're buying yeah but the the point you make is really good that the sponsors through their sponsored clubs or associations not only you know at a time of returning to activities post pandemic lockdown but at all times have got a really personable way to engage with the organization's members. And if, and that's a way that you, you can't engage in, in any other via any other medium. So social media, you know, broadcast marketing via or advertising on, you know, radio, television, and, and so on are all so impersonal. Whereas we're talking about an opportunity to be so much more in touch with the market than really maybe any other marketing mm -hmm. means. So yep. that's that's really meaningful. And again, if 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 you as a, a business have something to sell, and you know that applies or that is of interest or is attractive to some people within a club or association, it's probably attractive to a lot of people in that yeah. particular organisation. So you're selling footy boots, <laughs> you know, a lot of people <laughs> typically like footy boots. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk about easy to join dots. So there's. Before I walk through, and we'll, we'll take you through a little um, flowchart, and it, obviously this is flowcharts are visual, so I'll, we'll let you know where you can get a copy of this. Before I walk you through that, though, I just want to, because that's that's actually sets out the the preferred process for identifying potential sponsors and then, and then building relationships with them. I just want to touch on kind of building on what you've just said, Steve, about the, the that that little business that, that sells footy boots. If you are, and this this goes back to you know a, what we CPR group one on one uh, one oh <laughs> CPR group one oh one you know separating the governance from the operations. This is CPR group one on one. <laughs> <laughs> if you <laughs> do you remember, I was trying to write um, one on one. And then no face, uh, face to face. Face to face would be better. So I changed the I try I thought I'd changed one-on-one -on -one meeting to face-to-face -face meeting. I'm so glad somebody proved it because I'd left it as face on face. <laughs> Let's have a face on face meeting. I've seen a few of them happen on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so, so the separation of governance and operations, you know, CPR group club, good club governance 101. Mm-hmm. If you're on a committee and you're spending all of your time on game day and training day and carnival day, running around like a blue ass fly in operations. So cooking barbecues, buying sausages, putting goalpost pads on, wearing a, uh, even wearing a whistle around your neck, mm-hmm. then what's the opportunity cost? Because who's doing the G part then? Who's doing the governance part then? This is when we talk volunteering, it's about finding enough volunteers so that you can delegate enough of the tasks so that the people who should be doing governance get to do governance all the time, mm. not just in meetings. Because even the people who are supposed to be doing governance in meetings, if they're in operations, just look at the minutes of those meetings. It's all operational, 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 operational. This is shit that could have been delegated and just done rather than spoken about for another half an hour at a meeting that ran from, like the bloke I told you about earlier today, Steve, who said he missed last night's session because he was in a meeting from six till 10. <laughs> Ironically, it was a session about having better meetings and good governance. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been good Poor if bugger. Was yeah. that session instead. Yeah, invest in working on the business time. So the opportunity cost on a game day or a carnival day when you're running around doing operational things that other people could do is that you're not meeting those people who are already there who might be scanning the horizon with maybe a thousand people in and out of the gates through that day when you consider home and away teams from not even a big club, mm-hmm. but and then bigger for carnivals and, and more significant events. And you, you've got people who are sitting looking at this audience saying, what we sell, we sell to people like these people around here. I wish that we could get access to these people or so that we could try and sell our stuff to them. Now, if you're doing, doing sporting operations instead of just going and schmoozing and meeting these people, what's the opportunity for you to capitalise on that as a potential killer long-term sponsorship arrangement? Because that is what sponsorship is. Finding those people who want to sell stuff to your market and then physically connecting the dots, saying, hey, here is... a." Let's just take a, a, a fairly easy sort of example because I know this happens with some of the community banks that do loan arrangements with sports clubs. If you, if a, a new loan, if we write, we as the bank write a new loan and that is a referred customer from you, the club, then that's a win 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 because obviously the customer's only going to switch from their current loan if we can offer them a better overall result. So they're, they're getting value from it. We do well because we're the bank and then we make the, all of the money from that loan. The club then does well because they get a kickback, sometimes as a percentage of the value of the loan. Mm. And so some of that, these arrangements are really bloody lucrative. Yeah, but only if you do the right thing. Only if you, you can't just say, oh, we've got the here XYZ bank over here and they're going to offer you an everything. So you go and see them and give them a ring or go and visit their website. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. But if you get people from the bank on site and then you in the time that you're not running around doing operations mm-hmm. go and introduce that person to the the potential customers and say matt i know that you and shari have a home loan on your house no, i don't know if matt and shari have a home loan on their house i'm just spitballing here uh, of course we do michael <laughs> you know this is australian we're living the dream well if you'd connect up with xyz bank here and here's a couple of people from the bank they're lovely people if they can do you a better deal, would you consider shifting? 
uh, and but before you answer, just so you know, you'll only shift if you do better. Obviously, that's good for the bank, and it's so good for the bank that they give us the club a kickback. And if that happens, then you benefit again because then we get more products, better better services, better equipment, better facilities, better people, all of which you'll benefit from. You and your kids will benefit from. What do you reckon? Oh, I'll, I'll at least have a discussion. Boom! Sales talk now happening. Hand Nothing it over. Lose. Talk yeah. about warm leads, and that's how you make money out of it. Actually, do that work. I lo- what I love about this type of arrangement is that it drives the right behavior on behalf on the part of the club. So yeah. you, you you really need you 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 know you can't do the token announcement over the PA or putting the sign up here. Some of that stuff, all of that stuff is great, but it needs. But to nothing be sells. None of it sells anything. Put the biggest sign you like. Easy to on ignore. Somebody's yeah. shirt. No, it it doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah. have you ever bought a cup of coffee from a particular coffee selling establishment because you saw it on a football player's jersey? <laughs> the only reason I'm hesitating is that perhaps subliminally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, talk about I'm a billboard. I've driven past plenty of billboards and instantly become hungry or thirsty for yeah, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, uh, uh, yeah. So it, it's not that. Okay. It creates some brand awareness and it's a yep. demonstration of the relationship, but you actually need to go and live that sponsorship arrangement. And, and if you do this, what's really important to understand is this is how you make money. Mm. it's good for everyone it's good yep. for you you make money and it's good for the sponsor and then when we get to the end of our little diagram and it says well do we continue the, with this arrangement the sponsor's coming to you saying can we can we can we re-sign up please can we do this again we, we might yeah anyway it's but you got to just change gears in your head and stop seeing sponsorship as just benevolence so before we jump out of the delorean and go into our flow chart i'll just remind you of another story that i know that i've told you when i was with a cricket it's okay club. i've probably forgotten it <laughs> you are a boy yeah i'll give you that <laughs> i was with a cricket club at the beginning of the year and they the president turned to the treasurer as they were just doing some old correspondence or typical beginning of season stuff mm. and he said have you got that $3000 from the bank yet like this is, suffice it to say, that bank stopped giving them $3,000 a year because they got nothing for it. They This club did nothing except reduce the fees for the players who ended up ah. not paying anyway. Oh, it should have been the cream that meant that they didn't, you know, that this club was still thriving and that they didn't mm. have to sell their their wicket roller that they got through a grant just to stay oh. solvent. So you can see if you get this stuff wrong, it's it, it it makes life difficult. And when you don't treat a sponsor as a privilege every time, and you just treat it as a, as a right, it's our right to go and collect our three grand from just with complete disrespect. Mm. Of course, they're going to pull the pin on it. You're going to be the first off the bus when they have to start tightening in the tightening the purse strings. The other often um, seen oversight is this you know, the really faded signs around the, the field fence. And you, you, you know, I'll often ask, oh, so how, you know, how long have, have has that business been sponsoring your organisation? Oh, well, that, they, I don't think we've got money off them for a few years now. Yet the sign's still up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's an oversight in the other, at yeah, the other end of the very spectrum. very 90s shoulder pads in the jacket of the people on the sign. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it is important also for your own, 
public image as an organization to be keeping up to date with that stuff and and not you know giving <laughs> past sponsors a free ride or going and knocking on the door and saying hey guess what we've kept your sign up for the last five years and you know i've just taken over as a new committee member and we've identified that we haven't <laughs> here's an invoice <laughs> for fifteen thousand yeah. dollars no no i'm not going there i'm not going there <laughs> rather uh, this is a great opportunity to reconnect with them and say look we want to update that sign because it looks old and shitty how about we enter into a, a new partnership yeah, what can we do to connect you with all of the people that can buy your stuff at our club? Yep. So let's jump into this sponsorship flowchart now. It goes through understanding our product, understanding our sponsors' needs, then identifying our potential sponsors, then trying to sell to our, our potential sponsors, and then to put the most important, to let you know what I think is the most important thing right up front, servicing all of our sponsorship arrangements. So when we're identifying the product here, we're, we're not talking about our sport. We are talking about the advertising products that we have on offer. What is this package that we can create? Sure, it's going to be some click-throughs on our website. So here are our logos. And if, oh, by the way, just as an aside, in case we forget to come back to this as a takeaway at the end, if you have a sponsors page as like the fourth or fifth tab along the top of your website, how many people do you think go there? How many people do you think give a shit enough to go and look at your sponsors on some hidden page buried deep in your website. Yeah, it's a nice round number. It looks like a donut. What you should be doing is celebrating your sponsors first. These are the people who are, who are paying for it. And it's another opportunity for them to sell more things. Remember, if they sell more things, that you will get their business again next year. Just talk to a marketing company or an advertising company about this. This is how this stuff works. So I've what is really, it? Just quickly, a really good idea that I came across with one of the big rugby clubs that we've worked with in the past who forbid their coaches and managers from sharing the match schedule, the you know game day match schedule with their team, with the players or parents in their team. And they say, instead, every single player or family has to go to the draw page on the club website because their particular competition administrator only releases the draw a week or two in advance. So everyone needs to be going to this one particular page. So therefore that is a hugely valued sponsorship asset that they sell, oh, yeah. you know, so you get either one to maybe three or four, I think, um, uh, sponsor spotlights or, you know, they call it something like that, some catchy name on that draw page front and center. So you, and, and they know because they look at their, you know, present their website analytics to prospective or current sponsors and say, look how many thousands of people are hitting this website every yep. week. Don't you want to get your message in front of them? Yeah. So that's, really a practical way to get the sponsors logo in front of people. And, and that same club has a sponsors tab. And if you had a look at the analytics, I'm pretty sure it'd be a significantly lower number of hits. Yep. Look, this is why this brainstorming session is so important up front. Most people start at the wrong spot. Most people start at, at line three on our little flow chart, which is identifying potential sponsors. So yeah. they're starting by targeting someone they think they can get money from without actually knowing what it is that they're going to approach those sponsors to sell. Mm. That's absurd when I put it like that, doesn't it? Let's go and yeah. sell something. What are we selling? Don't know yet. Let's go and talk to people and see what we can sell them. Um, <laughs> or end up giving away giving away the farm. So that that's a really good opportunity to think about. So yes, we can talk about signage on the fence. Yes, we can talk about having highlighted places on our webpage, but what about our activity on social media? 
what about so actually promoting the shit that our sponsors do on social media what about naming rights naming rights for venues even if it's temporary naming rights for teams naming rights for competitions there are so many th- and you, you know what none of this is new how far do you have to go before you you start to think about what's possible they they sell different the halftime advertising is sold to a different sponsor than the first half and the second half of a match for the shit we see on TV. What yep. of what we see when we watch something like the state of origin, can we apply at our tiny little club? Because anything's possible. What there, look, there are some really clever things you can do to even attract those mum and dad type business sponsors where we can package up activities and sell it to businesses as a, because then those businesses become our sponsors yeah, uh, look, the, the the sky is the limit when you think about it, and this is an amazingly rewarding part of what you do because it means by the time you get to the bit that everyone fears, actually going and having a discussion with a potential sponsor, you've got value, you've got confidence in mm-hmm. having the discussion because you know the value that you're going to bring. So once you've worked out what you've got and you can create some packages, sure, but please do me a favor and avoid the, the really worn out gold, silver, bronze packages because every package should be bespoke. Every package should be developed based on what a particular business needs. So yes, you can work out what you've got, but then you can also start to work out, well, what is this worth? What would the return, if somebody gave us money for this and this worked and we do everything we're talking about and remember the action, you've got to stop doing the stuff that other people can do. And because you are a leader, you've got to be a leader and and benefit your sponsors as well. So on game day, on training day, how can we be actively going and selling this stuff? Because that's then going to make more money. If we're making more money, then that puts more money in the coffers. And remember that the sponsor doesn't care about how we spend the money. They only care about them making more money. So then we can be in in the self-limiting fat factor of not-for-profitness means that we as individuals will never benefit from it. So it's always going to go back into better services, better people, better facilities, better equipment. And and then the whole, everything rises, the whole atmosphere of our club rises because we've got, simply because we've got more money. So then you've got to work out how much is it worth. But then the next step says, no, really do that step again. So how much is it worth? And then the next step is no, really dot, 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 go back and really consider it because it's easy to overcook it. It's easy to say, I'm going to put a sign on the front of my shirt and that sign on the front is worth $10,000 a season. Is it, is it really? How's that sponsor going to make more than, and what ROI are they expecting? Are they expecting maybe a thousand percent ROI? So are they going to be able to make a hundred grand in new sales or increased sales because they invested that 10 grand? And if so, how? Just because there's a sign on your shirt? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to to approach the the thinking is to consider how well how realistic it is that you're actually going to be able to deliver a return on investment for your sponsor that is you know at the minimum what they invest or yeah. in, in excess of that yeah but, the but it's not are- an approach that that many people take no, in, in no. they they don't they don't stop and think some they look around the room and go 10 grand oh maybe five and then somebody will offer them five and they'll go well, what's oh, it right, been then. what's the other club down the road charging mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but the other the other side is true also Stephen. that it's easy to undervalue what you just yes, talked about that absolutely here is. is the spotlight here is where you're going to make all your dosh yep. it's easy to undersell that it's easy to undersell how much we can make and so this is why maybe that's not a dollar figure 
maybe that's a relationship where we are actually it's it's a performance-based agreement where we make x percent of new sales that we help you generate obviously then we've got a way to have a way to track it Mm. bloody hell that could be as simple as when you go and buy something from our sponsor butcher pull out your phone and check in on facebook like and and if you're really good go and post a little note there that says uh, uh, checking in here because these guys great meat but also great sponsors of our club yeah they're gonna say and, and obviously tag them like how simple is that and what does that actually mean and how many people need to do that before there's such a demonstrable value that the sponsor can see mm. so then we get into sponsor needs so what does a sponsor need a sponsor wants to be have good brand positioning have good brand exposure and really importantly they want to have access to their target markets so understand this first before we move into then the next stage, which is identifying potential sponsors. So what is it that when we look at what our sponsors need in their access to target markets, who are our people and what sort of businesses sell what sort of products and services to our people? So as we're in row three now, we're trying to identify the potential sponsors. What are the products and services that our people might buy? What And then when we actually start to connect up the dots and say, well, these are some potential target businesses and we've got small businesses right up to big businesses and have, you know, the halfway shot in basketball, you just hoik a basketball up in the air. You know what that's called? Hail Mary. <laughs> so you just, you haven't heard that term The buzzer before? beater, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Hail Mary shot. It's just hit okay. and hope sort of thing. Hey, it, it doesn't hurt to have some Hail Mary targets on your list. Yep. What are some behemoth companies and that, that if we secured them and, and had a meaningful relationship with them would make a material difference to our turnover just from one sponsorship? So have, mm. a, have one or two of those on the list as well, because you'd be surprised what can happen. If you identify that that could be an opportunity, and I only have to point to regional Queensland where some clubs have made literally buckets of money from their connection to local mining companies buckets of money but it's not just the mining companies and it's the companies that support the mining companies because those companies want to have a good very clear social demonstration of their social responsibility so that when the mining companies are choosing who they want to give contracts to they give it to those good looking companies with the social responsibility so who are the customers of our, of these potential business? And importantly, then, what are the activities that these businesses do as well? Because if they do, if, if they participate in some charity events, if they have a fun run, if they have a tree planting day, when we create a pitch for them, then we can also recognize and acknowledge the good work they're already doing in the community and potentially how we can be involved and help them get, a, get better traction with that. Then we get into the fourth row, which is the one that everyone goes weak at the knees, selling. Oh, but I'm not a salesperson. I don't have a cigar and elbow patches on my sleeve jacket. <laughs> but if you get all of the steps up to this point right, you should be champing at the bit to get into it. Because you should you have, like I said, a really confident understanding of the value of your offering. And if you're already out there meeting people, then these are people that you already know. These are people who may already be connected to your club or maybe your sport through through regional associations or whatever, or particular people in that business. Because we have access to stuff that 
No, the stuff you can find out about businesses and the people who are in that business through social media is just so powerful. So you don't have to go and have a cold conversation with anyone. Mm. Before you go and speak to people, you can connect with them on LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is not typically a social media platform that is used widely by clubs for marketing. But in this case, because we're trying to sell to businesses, guess what you should be doing? What sort of what sort of posts should you be creating? What sort of persona should you be creating for your club on LinkedIn? So that, and then going and connecting with people. If you're targeting a business, go and make LinkedIn connections with the people who are in that business. Then when you're having a conversation with you, you've read one or two of their posts. You've read the shit that they've liked and you've gone, oh, I see that you like this. We like that as well. Let's talk. Mm. <laughs> so then the first step in selling is the initial meeting. The initial meeting in reality is not an initial meeting. I remember when I put this diagram together, coming up on two decades ago, Steve, I put initial meeting there because I thought it would be a bit twee to write the word schmoozing. (laughs) (laughs) But that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to build a meaningful professional relationship between two businesses. This is where too many people just go off half cocked and they put together... (laughs) They put together a sponsorship package that is gold, silver, bronze, and it's a one size fits all, and you take yeah. it or leave it. And they just post it to people and then don't even make a phone call. I remember running oh, and, a- and, and they say, Dear business owner. Oh, yes, we like doing business with businesses like yours. Um, I remember I was at another workshop many years ago as well, running possibly in the same series as the one I mentioned in Ipswich. And somebody came up to me in the break and said, Michael, I've just had a realization that I've never had before. I work for, and it was a mining company, a petroleum company or something, some significant company. And this person was like community liaison or something. And he said to me, I'm the person at this business that receives all of the sponsorship proposals. And he did the bunny ear quotes because he really understood it by then. And I've, I've never drawn a, a link here that what I'm doing is exactly what you're teaching. He said, I have two trays. The first tray is where they come in and they just sit there and they, that, that's where they sit until I get a phone call. If I don't get a phone call within two weeks, it goes into the bin. But if I do, it goes into the next tray and that's the only tray that I read. So fascinating. So do that's good insight. Do the flow. And initial meeting is not just a meeting, it's schmoozing, it's creating a relationship. So by the time you get to the next point, which is pitch and negotiation, you're, all, you're most of the way there. And then have a contract. Even if it's just a simple email backwards and forwards, make sure that there is something in writing, even for the little $100 sponsorship for, a, for an event on a, at, at a carnival. Mm. And then, as I said, we don't need to spend any time on the servicing bit because it's the most important. Communicate with them. If you are providing value, let them know that value. Support them. If you said you were going to take part in their activities, take part in their bloody activities. And then by the time we get to the very final point on the flowchart, re-sign or resign, it's a really simple decision. Have they been a good sponsor? Have you provided them value? Has it felt good? Is there a cultural click here is there a value click here then if so boom we go straight back into next year's arrangement and And if we need to even increase the value of it because it's performance based yeah the big opportunity here is to make sure that if you're doing all of the sponsorship acknowledgement that you promised you would do that you actually give the opportunity to the sponsor to see it yes because so often sponsors oh we're not bloody giving them money again because they didn't do anything for us all the while this organization's been you know making money out of what you're doing yeah, 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 that's right. Uh-huh. You've been singing their praises all over the place, but they haven't seen it, so they don't perceive any value. Yep. So what are the takeaways, Steve? Obviously, 
Make sure your sponsors see your acknowledgement. <laughs> yes, nice one. And sponsorship is not benevolent. Sponsorship is not donation. Sponsorship is a form of marketing. It's just you're marketing to sell their shit, not yours. And you get mm. paid for that. So, yeah, it's. It, it, I think that the biggest takeaway is just have that mindset shift and change the way that you think about sponsorship and see what happens. And it's okay to give commercial favour to your sponsors. <laughs> Even for, for golf sake. clubs. <laughs> Steve, as usual, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you about a, quite an exciting and interesting topic. Likewise. And look, you know, maybe we'll come back to talk about sponsorship and marketing again. <laughs> oh, very Carry good on chance. this series. Very good <laughs> chance. So, of course, make sure you're connected with us on social media and on our website. And as I promised, if you'd like a copy of our little sponsorship guide, I suggest that you, the easiest way is to click contact on our website or you can shoot an email to info at cprgroup.com.au. Thanks again, Steve. I look forward to chatting with you about Basket Casey Clubs again soon. To talk more Basket Casey goodness. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. See ya.